Patrick Falk with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. Uh, it's a Friday morning, July 17th, and this is going to be a good one. This is one of my good friends, uh, Coach Brian Smith out of Portola High School in Irvine, California. And uh, we've only known Brian a short time, but it seems like we've known each other forever. <laughs> and uh, it, it's been great to kind of chit-chat about hoops, about school, about our faith, um, it's just always a good conversation. So I'm really excited to have him on. Coach, how you doing this morning? Hey, Pat, I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, like I said, this is, this is going to be fun because this is just what we do. So <laughs> looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, so how I met, how I met Coach was uh, two years ago now, or actually two years, yeah, two years ago now. Um, uh, his school is, is relatively new. It's only going into its fifth year of existence and, and we'll talk about that here a little bit later um, but they had a social science position open and they were advertising for coaches and so I emailed him and and he replied back and I went and chit-chatted with him and probably about five minutes into that conversation it was like you know boom we we agreed on a lot of things read a lot of the same books and then from that point forward Although he didn't get the job, which was kind of a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a bulldog, but, um, but you know, like anything else, you, 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 when you put yourself out there and you make new connections, they turn out to be, you know, uh, you know, good, solid, sound relationships. And really since then, him and I have continually stayed in touch. And this summer's been great. Him and I have been able to chit-chat weekly about everything. And I think in this, in this time – we certainly need those relationships. So I'm deeply appreciative of our friendship and, and, and the, the, the time that we get to chit chat. And who knows where, where, where my path might lead. I might still be that JD coach you're looking for. <laughs> hey, yeah, just, just make sure it's noted that uh, I tried to get you there, man. <laughs> oh, no, 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 by all means. Co coach did everything, um, you know, uh, but you know, quick, quick poke of the bear is that it, it's kind of tough when – the student teacher has more experience than you do, but that's a different story for a different True. time. So coach, <laughs> let's just dive right into it. You know, let's tell, tell the listeners like how you got into education. What, it, what is that? What did that path look like? And then how did you end up uh, at Portola? You know, it's interesting uh, getting into teaching every teacher, you know, I'm glad you're doing a podcast like this because you know, every teacher has a story. It's how they got into it. And, you know, a lot of people are influenced by various people to get into teaching. I'll be flat honest with you. I had zero interest in becoming a teacher. Uh, when I was in <laughs> high school, I, uh, I wanted to get into uh, sports like management and be like a ESPN reporter type thing. And then my senior year in high school, one of my really good friends was uh, killed in a pretty bad uh, accident. Oh. And the, the criminal justice system became my focus. I really got an interest into that. So I actually went to school I'm from just everybody, you know, a lot of people don't know who I am, but I actually grew up in a small town outside of Kansas City, Missouri. So I'm a Midwest guy. So um, I went to school at Missouri Valley College and played basketball out there. And when I was out there, I got my degree in criminal justice, um, hoping to be a state highway patrolman uh, in, in Missouri, because state highway patrol in Missouri is a very prestigious, you know, mm -hmm. law enforcement agency. And um, I'm a pretty competitive guy. And so I actually went through the training to get in there and I actually missed getting in the academy by three points. I took all the tests and missed getting in by three points. And so um, when I was going through all that after college, I, uh, when I graduated with my degree, I ended up working in a mental health facility with uh, people who were 
dubbed by the system as criminally insane. So I, I'll never forget the very first person I ever worked with out of college was a, was a guy who had killed two people. And wow. so here I am fresh out of college working with this uh, murderer in this insane asylum, basically. And so um, I, when I was doing that, I still lived in the community that I went to college and my, my college coach asked me if I'd be interested in coaching. And right. so as soon as I graduated, I graduated college in 1995 and I started coaching right away while I was working at the, uh, uh, the mental health facility. I worked at that mental health facility for a while and then I started working at a juvenile jail. Oh, okay. And, uh, working with like juvenile delinquents and everything. So I got to see what the lack of education does for sure. kids and, and situations. Sure. So, um, I was talking to some coaches when I was in, you know, networking out there and I was told you will never get a high school head coaching job unless you have like an education degree. Gotcha. And so I thought, you know, after a couple of years of working in the criminal justice system, let's go back and get my education degree. So my, the joke I always say is working with criminally insane people and juvenile delinquents totally prepared me for teaching high school kids, you know? So, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, so nice. I was, I didn't start teaching until the uh, 99, 2000 school year right. with my first year as a teacher. Uh, I went back and got my master's degree in special education and my certification at the same time. Okay. And that's what got me into teaching. But yeah, I had no no desire whatsoever to be a, uh, a teacher. But then, right. you know, once I started working with kids and seeing the juvenile delinquents and seeing the lives that they had and, you know, sure. I, I just, the, that, that system was so depressing because it was, you know, if you had 10 kids and you had, you know, brought one of, if one of them was successful, that was, that was, that's okay. it. And that's a terrible <laughs> percentage of kids because you literally took kids out of the sewer, cleaned them up, and then you threw them right back in the sewer. So, right. um, yeah, so I uh, ended up doing that. And then, like I said, I taught in Missouri. Actually, when I graduated with my uh, degree, I'd, I'd met my wife uh, during my master's and we ended up getting married and my wife's from New Mexico. So we, uh, when we graduated, we both decided, hey, let's maybe go find a job in New Mexico. So we found teaching jobs in New Mexico. Uh, we were there for four years. We went back to Missouri for two years. Um, all this while I was being an assistant coach because we had my daughter and uh, right. we went back to Missouri. We could afford to live in Missouri on one teacher salary. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we went back to New Mexico for 11 years. And then um, after I was in New Mexico for many years, we'd always visited out here in California. Right. And I took, I took one of my teams from New Mexico to a tournament over in Palm Springs over Christmas yeah. one time. And, Ended up meeting and the head the coach Rancho at Beckman. Mirage, right? Yeah, the Rancho, yeah, Mirage. Rancho Mirage. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Hamner uh, done a great job out there. <laughs> that was exciting over there, man, because we, we got to travel. You know, a lot of high school yeah, programs absolutely. don't get to travel out of state, but we fundraised and all that. And our very first game over there, we played Beckman High School. Nice. And the head coach at the time told me, hey, there's going to be a job opening or there's going to be a school opening up here in Irvine. If you like it, I hear you might as well, you know, throw your name in sometime. And right. so I kind of took it with a grain of salt like, or whatever. And here we are. <laughs> right. So That's awesome. five years later. So yeah, we right. moved out here. Didn't, didn't know a single soul when we moved out here and uh, just been trying to build, build everything ever since. So it's been right. one heck of a journey. So no, that's awesome. And it, it's funny. And you know, it, coaching really can take you places. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I was interviewing uh, my, one of my good friends from college. One of the guys I played with in college, he, went all the way from, you know, he graduated from UC San Diego after he got done playing. He went to University of Rhode Island to get uh, adult education. 
Wow. And, and uh, he uh, went into the men's uh, coach and said, hey, uh, I just got done playing. I just want to be around it. I want to get into it. And the guy kind of dismissed him. And so he made the same pitch to the girls coach. And the girls coach is like, hey, you're 6'4". You want to be a practice player? You know, because nice. you could be the post. And that's how he got into it. But, you know, from that – from the willingness to want to do whatever it takes and, and, and paying your dues. And, you know, um, you know, he ended up being, you know, he got his first head coaching job at the university of Denver. And then he was the head coach at Boston college for six years. Wow. And he just, he recently stepped away, you know, for various reasons, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, coaching can certainly take you places and, and it, we're going to talk more about like the value of a coach here in, in a second. So, um, before we were talking, uh, before we started recording, you know, we were talking about, you know, what's going on in the state, what's going on in your district regarding what's going on in the fall, you know, when that Friday, the 13th happened, um, and, and, and school started to shut down to go to this emergency distant learning model, you know, in your point of view, you know, how did you respond to the pandemic? And then, how do you feel your school respond? And, and I'm going to kind of throw something else on top of the fire here. It's like more than likely with our school starting distant learning in the fall, what are you doing now to prepare for that? Yeah, you know, when, when this whole thing started surfacing back in, you know, the early part of the year, um, I don't think a lot of people took it serious. You know what I mean? Like it was right. like, oh, this is just the flu or what have you. And Right. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm hundred percent convinced that my half, my basketball team had this back in December because <laughs> we had right. kids that were sick and they, nobody could identify what it was type thing. So sure. when it actually came to fruition and we actually were told we couldn't be at school, I just remember the shock that everybody felt it was like, is this really happening? But it was close enough for us to spring break. Right. We thought, you know what, they're just kicking us out of here basically for spring. And then when we get back from spring break, we're going to return type thing. Right. And so sure. our school, you know, we sent us home. I think we had a week and a half and we we're like, hey, just try to touch base with your kids and keep that connection going. And right. then we'll, we'll, we'll evaluate things. And then when we came back and they said, no, we're done for the rest of the year, man, we had to, we had to get creative. You know, our, sure. our, our social studies team. We met a few times on Zoom meetings and came up with a plan of how we were going to implement things right. and how we were going to teach things. And, you know, we all kind of designated Monday was the day to get everything pushed out. And then we'd have a certain amount of office hours throughout the week sure. where we could check in with our kids. And, right. you know, and then, and then when it came out that it was credit, no credit, um, right. honestly, I, I saw just the demise right there. People just stopped working. Right. I mean, sure. kids just would check in every once in a while. They would right. turn in stuff late. And you know what I mean? It just, the quality of it wasn't very good. And so right. learning now, if we're going to do this, like going into the fall, <laughs> if we're right. going to be doing online, it, the credit, no credit thing, kids are going to have to understand that's out. You're going to have to actually do exactly. more kind of like what you, you do in the, in your right. school. <clears throat> and so right. I, I think that message needs to be communicated pretty pretty, you know, with a heavy stamp on that to these kids. That, hey, right. this, is, this is the expectation. I mean, because right. I had a kid that was an A student that literally, she didn't turn anything in for a while. She, she passed the class, but if you added up her grade, it was went down to like a D. Well, she right. emails me a couple days after grades are due at the end of the semester apologizing. I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm so embarrassed. I know right. I passed. I know I got the credit, but that's not me. So, you know, hopefully some of the kids learned these lessons that 
Yeah, sure. it wasn't a vacation. You just had right. to change school. <laughs> right. Didn't stop. The building stopped. You know what I right. mean? So exactly. Um, no, so I point. think that's the idea going forward is that we still have to now as educators change our way of thinking and change our preparation, our communication. Just like coaching, you have to adapt to the situations that you've been Absolutely. given. And so, you know, I think our our school districts, I, our site has done a really good job of communicating things to us. Uh, and keeping us in the loop. Now, right. you know this as well as I do, not everybody's happy about the way things sure. you know, are being communicated, but right. in my experiences, you know, it's being held, being done in the right manner, so. Yeah, and, and I think what, what I've seen, and in, in, in again, uh, with LA, Los Angeles Unified School District, San Diego Unified School District, yeah. two of the largest districts in the country um, made that announcement last week that they were going 100% online, yeah. and you know, there's been a number of, you know, we'll just call them angry people. Um, there have been a number of angry people that were like, you know, where's the injustice? This is unconstitutional. Yeah. And, you know, what's coming out now is that when they pulled their masses, and, and again, we're talking hundreds of thousands of kids and families that are part of these school districts, they wanted distant learning for whatever the reasons are. And um, so if anything, you know, it is my hope that regardless of what district you're in, regardless of what announcements come from the state education office, you know, for a public school, they're going to have to implement things that are just going to be different. And again, there are a lot of talking heads out there. There are a lot of sure. experts out there um, that um, essentially these kind of regurgitate some things, which again, it, no harm, no foul there. But it's like at the end of the day, I want two things because my kids, you know, go to school right up the street and do I want them back on campus? Absolutely. But if the environment is not safe for all parties involved, and I think yeah. there, I think that's some language that needs to be expressed is that yeah. not only the kids, but the teachers, the administrators, yeah. you know, the people on site, you know, every, there needs to be a level of, of, of safety for all. And, um, Again, you know, my, my kids did an amazing job acclimating to what was thrown to them. I just hope that the whatever announcement might be made today, districts go into overdrive to provide you, my kids' teachers, you know, resources and tools and say, hey, look, we're going to need you to come back two days earlier. We'll figure out a way to make it up to you type of a thing because it's so important to your point. There, there needs to be, hey, this is not you know, this is a new school year, everything counts, there's a level of accountability, you know, and there's other things that, that I'm talking about, you know, those are issues that, you know, you and I don't want to dive into, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, 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 it's really important that, that people take a step back and, and, and have a little perspective, and, and well, I, I, I understand that the, 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 the people are trying to make the right decision, and they, you know, mm -hmm. I think, I think everybody's in agreement. We want the kids to be back in school for the social aspect of it, the developmental aspect Absolutely. of it, because there's a lot of, you know, depression, anxiety, stress, Absolutely. all that. It's all, all time high for this age group. And so getting right. them around kids. But if you're like me, I've seen kids out hanging out, you know, they're at right. the parks, they're, they're going right. to you know, the beaches, they're doing whatever. Right. So they are getting some of that to an extent, but nothing beats that time when you're at school, when there's right. familiarity there, where there's staff right. there that you know. And so, but Absolutely. yeah, we've got to keep everybody safe. You know, IUSD just came out the other day with their um, 
their proposed plan, which I'm wondering if that obviously might change today with whatever Governor Newsom's saying. But, um, right. you know, as soon as it came out, there was there's a big uproar, you know, because sure. it's not Absolutely. what San Diego is doing. It's not what L.A. is doing, which I totally understand that. Right. Um, <clears throat> the thing is, until there's a vaccine, I don't right. see it happening, you know, because sure. it's 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 just such a it's something we've never seen in our lifetime. And, right. you know, it, think back when we were in high school, we would say this has happened when we were in high school. This is the new story for these kids. Right. Well, when I was in high school, it was <laughs> right. COVID, no, you know? sure. Right. Yeah. When I was in high school, we, uh, you know, well, actually when I was in grade school, I remember hiding under a little wooden desk mm -hmm. because, you know, in case of a nuclear bomb, that desk is going to protect me, right? You know, no, I just became kindling. Thank you. Yep. Very yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, you've obviously been a coach for close to 20 years. Um, and again, it, just having coaching conversations with you, talking the game, but much more than X's and O's. I, I really love your philosophy on a lot of things, and, and we'll kind of dive into those here in a little bit when we talk about culture. But what do you think the value is on a high school campus of having a coach as a teacher on campus? What can, like kind of give us your perspective on that? You know, for me, like you said, I, I'm actually getting ready to start my 25th year as a coach. I was nine years an assistant before I ever became a head coach, and four of those years I volunteered. So I didn't get paid a dime. So like you were talking about earlier about paying your dues, I definitely right. had paid my dues with everything. So, right. um, you know, I, I've got to see both perspectives. when I was a volunteer coach and not teaching yet, I was the off campus guy coming on. And right. I, I just remember seeing how, and I remember my own coaches that were on campus that were also right. teachers. I just remember it just changed the culture. I think it's so important to have teachers that are coaches and coaches that communicate well because you become like just a central figure in that school you know you're, right. you're one of those people that kids will come to I'll, I'll be honest with you I know a lot of people as a teacher call me mr. this call me mr. that I always right. tell my kids call me coach I'm a coach yep they're, they're like but you don't coach me no call me coach so people at Portola right. know me as coach Smith if right. I always tell them if you call me mr. Smith I look over my shoulder for my dad Yep, you know, absolutely. So it's like, you know, and, and that's not, <laughs> yeah. And I know, and I know people have different mentalities about that, but I think coaching to me is the like, it's the most prestigious, important job out there because I think right. you've read it. Billy Graham said it that, you know, one coach will impact more kids in a year than most people do in an entire lifetime. And there's so absolutely. much truth to that. But absolutely. that's not just the student athletes, that's in the class. You know, I love having kids in class. And I always tell them, you see me in the teacher form. When right. I get on the court coaching, have you noticed I have a vein that pops out of my head? I said, <laughs> if you ever see that vein pop out of my head, Run. Then something is wrong. <laughs> right. So, Run the other way. Yeah. yeah. And so I just think it's, it's, <laughs> it's um, they offer a little bit different life experiences to kids. Uh, they can right. relate. I think coaches can relate to all types of kids because right. when you're coaching a sport, you are dealt the hand of all types of kids, you know? Absolutely. So not that, not that regular teachers aren't, I'm not saying that cause there's a lot of great no, straight teachers that are experts in their field. I right. just think the amount of time and visibility and energy that coaches uh, can put into a school can make or break a school. And I think they're one of sure. the, they're, they're one of the most important people on campus. So. Right. And I think, you know, specifically in our area in Orange County, California, which 
arguably has is some of the best high schools in the state and in the country. Um, when we look at the overall success of programs, it's because coaches have been on campus yeah. for quite some time. And, and we're going to talk culture here in a minute because I know that's a big part of it. Um, but I, I, I am always of the belief that, especially with your varsity sports, is having that coach on campus is mission critical because sure. now uh, there is a, um, you know, one more set of eyes watching those students, um, not only for the faculty, but the parents as well. Um, I'm sure, you know, it's easier for a teacher to email you saying, hey, yep. you know, uh, Billy is acting, uh, acting like a chucklehead in my room. Can you help me out? And uh yeah, those, that's a very interesting conversation. Hey, Billy, you know, Mrs. Jones sent me an email today saying that you were acting up in class. You need to tell me what's going on. Is that the expectation of what it means to be a bulldog? Blah, blah, blah. And I think, I think staff appreciates being able to have that additional authority figure online, yeah. uh, on campus. You know, because, and I think therein lies, you know, the, kind of like the last point of it is that in some cases I have seen where programs have suffered because yeah. their coaches are not on campus. There is a level of detachment. It's not to say that they don't have the best intentions. It's not to say they're not a good coach, but there is that you know, that those dots that get connected when they're on campus living and breathing what the kids are doing on, on an hourly basis on campus. And I think that's, again, mission critical for having a varsity coach being on campus in any capacity. If, if the guy's the janitor, yeah. who cares? You know, they, they, they have an understanding of what campus life is like, which I think is huge. Well, and it's an accountability like you were just alluding to. You know, it's something that uh, I, I know I've done this before. If I have a prep period, I've had a kid that has been acting a fool in the class. I'll go walk into the class. I'll sit right. there. I'd yep. like, you want some power in a situation? Have a head coach walk into a class where a kid's been acting a fool. That kid will straighten up right. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. and all the other kids know about it. So yeah, there's, right. and, but it also, like you said, if, if the other students who are not athletes can see those right. coaches in a positive light and somebody Absolutely. that, you know, they, they can maybe feel comfortable to, or, or and sure. it, it, w w one thing I love about where I teach is, you know, there's all of a lot of our head coaches, they all teach different uh, subjects. I've got right. math teachers. We got English teachers. We've got social studies teachers. We've got PE teachers. You know, right. there's such a wide variety. And I think that's critical uh, to the culture of the school, but also, like you said, just to <laughs> another set of eyes and, you know, just the accountability aspect of it. But like, even if it's not a teacher, like you said, we, you know, our, our baseball coach, is one of our security guards. He's one of our CCAs right. on school. So right. he's there, he's visible. And I think that's, right. that's huge. So. Absolutely. All right. So let, let's talk culture now. Um, obviously again, your coaching experience is, is, is tremendous, which certainly you can draw from, but you're now moving from the Midwest to Southern California, which that in itself is a culture shock. Um, and you're moving to a brand new school in a school district that is, is very revered academically. And they've had some very successful sports programs as a district. But now you have a brand new school, really in a brand new area. How hard was it to build a culture and a brand at this new school? And then what were some, what did you lean on as your core values to build that culture? 
you know, we, I said, moving here, sight unseen really hadn't, didn't know anybody here. Didn't, you know, I researched the culture of, you know, Irvine a little bit and saw the accolades and man, saw all the private schools that are around and, you know, did did my research getting here. And I tell you the, the first week I was here when we were able to do basketball, we met over at, uh, it was the Misty May center then it's momentous now because our gym wasn't done yet. Um, I had about 30 kids show up and, one of the like, kind of combined in the answers here, one of the core values I have is just, you know, it's the blue collar work ethic. That's something yep. that has come from the Midwest to me that, you know, there, there's kids that think they work hard and then there's kids who have been through one of my practices type thing. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, we work on, you know, physical strength, but also mental strength. But anyway, that first week of camp that we did, right. I just noticed how, and I've always seen kids want structure. Absolutely. Kids want discipline and kids want to be pushed. And right. um, I, I saw these kids, I gave them so much, you know, they were just freshmen that first year. Right. Obviously I, I didn't, I didn't overdo it with them, but I treated them like a varsity team that right. freshman year and right. they responded so well. Right. And at the, at the end of practices, they would come and thank me. And I'd never had that happen <laughs> in Missouri, in New Mexico. Right. You know, once you would break afterwards, it's like, all right, see you guys, blah, blah, blah. They're like, thank you, coach. Thank you, coach. I'm like, I just kicked your butt. What are you doing thanking me? You know, so. Um, <laughs> thank you, sir. I have another. Yeah, exactly. So I knew the kind of kids that I had at that point. Right. That we could build off of that. And we, we just stressed right. the, the importance of, uh, you know, integrity and, and hard work. And uh, I, I'm big on if, yeah, I, I like it if kids are successful on the basketball court, but I'm more concerned about reaching their heart and getting them to be good right. people. And right. um, I always tell kids, you know, you're only going to play basketball for a certain amount of time in your life, but you're always going to, you know, you're going to be a dad, you're going to be a husband. And I'm right. just hoping that some of these values you've learned will, will right. end up making you successful. And so, right. you know, that's why we hold them accountable in the classroom. That's why I hold them accountable with their actions. Um, right. I had a thing of, you know, I don't want to hear you cuss because my kids might be in the gym and I don't want right. you influencing my children type thing. Right. There's Absolutely. little eyes watching you and your parents are watching you. So it was all those little behaviors, I think, that we paid attention to Sure. that if you take care of those little things, the bigger things are going to take care of themselves. And, Absolutely. you know, I think one of the most rewarding things as a coach is when you see kids have those aha moments and that light bulb turns right. on. Right. And I'll just, I'll never forget. We had a game last year. No, excuse me. It was uh, these kids is junior year. This first class is junior year. And I remember after a play, Robert Giraldi was our point guard, our shooter. He ran over to the bench, big old smile on his face is like, coach, you told us that if we had that ball fake and make that extra pass, it was going to work. And it did, you know, like, <laughs> nice. I'm like I know, I, trust me, I know what I'm doing here. So, so I think, um, that's it's awesome. just little things like that, but just building that relationship with kids sure. and, and making it positive, knowing that I always tell them, I'll be the first guy that pat you on the butt when you do something right, but I'm also going to be the first guy that's going to kick you in the butt when you do something wrong. So just Absolutely. understand that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think the kids, they, they see through fakeness and they see authentic, authenticity. And Absolutely. so that's another value we have is being authentic and, right. you know, just being who you are. We, I said, we never ask anybody here to be perfect. We're all right. making mistakes. And I'll tell you what, as a head coach, it's hard sometimes to stand in front of a bunch of kids and admit you made a mistake. Right. But I want to, because I want to show them, look, I'm being transparent with you. 
yeah, I made a mistake absolutely. on this. And I think kids learn from that stuff, you know? And so yeah, for sure. um, it's all about the kids' attitude, their effort, all that stuff. But, yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. So um, I guess it was, I think it was at the start of this year or maybe it was the year before is there was a local reporter who was doing a series called Camp Chronicles, Jonathan Camus, I believe his yep. name is. And I know he paid you a visit and it's a great piece. And I'm going to post the YouTube video because I think, I think, you know, after listening to this, you know, to be able to see how coach works in, in his environment and then the response to the kids. And I want to, I want to ask you something. I want you to explain <laughs> dogs got a dog's got to eat. What does that mean? Dog's got to eat. Dog's got uh, to eat. eat. It's uh, eat stands for <clears throat> effort, attitude, and toughness. And so it's nice. one of those that, you know, it kind of, it's that little acronym and, you know, our, our football program does a good job with theirs is PTP protect the pedigree. And ours right. is we have this big um, bone, this big uh, rawhide bone, and it's just having that dog mentality. But, you know, right. going out there and knowing that we, we give that bone to a, a kid at the end of practice who has just had a great effort, great attitude, and showed a lot of toughness. Right. And I, I think in a place like Irvine, you know, I think there's a lot of great kids. But to me, I wanted to see them get tougher. And I'm yeah. not saying like be fighters, that kind of stuff. It's right. no, no handle sure. stress. It's perseverance. It's absolutely. It's not giving up when something gets hard because I think in this culture right now, the give up factor is pretty high. Like, oh my no, gosh, it's hard. Sure. I don't want to do that. And I think a lot of these kids have been told for so many years how great they are and stuff. And right. Yes, they are, but we make mistakes and we have to get right. through that and you have to absolutely. be tough and persevere and change. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's about. So it's yeah, kind of no, a, that's, a fun that's little great. thing. <laughs> well, and I, and I think that's it. I think you know, I, I you know, I think you do a really good job of if taking little successes and understanding how they add up to the big picture. And and a lot of coaches sometimes just don't do that or reinforce that, you know, because they might have a level of success or you know, they might just be, you know, their focus is here or there. But I think now more than ever you know, when coaching kids is you have to celebrate the little successes yeah. because those, those, and it's not that you don't have to correct and direct. And, and as coaches, we certainly have our ways of doing that. Um, sure. but, but by all means, I, I, I love that. And I think I actually, after I watched, I sent you a text with, like a, with a dog <laughs> yeah. with a big bone. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. So, well, what's so cool about those kids though, and something we've tried to do with our culture there is, you know, I'm going to be hard on them. I am, right. but I'm also going to have fun with them. Like, Absolutely. I think even in that video, we'll have this thing where I make somebody's got to make a half court shot before we leave. absolutely yep. They close it, you up know, and, 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 and it happened. And that time we were getting videoed, the first guy to shot and shoot. Made one. I've had kids. I'll say, Hey, you got 10 seconds now. And I'll point to one kid and I'll say, he's got to get a dunk before we leave. So right. I look and I'll find like the shortest kid on the team. Well, you got to get a dunk before we leave. So they got to go, <laughs> they all go pick him up and he yeah, dunks exactly. or something. Or That's awesome. Say, hey, we got to have guys make a certain amount of threes before we right. leave or, you know, just right. stuff like that, just so that they, they're not always um, being brought down. But it's funny. We, we do these conditioning drills um, where we call them four minutes of difficulty. And right. it's four minutes of, it's, it's basically one minute of, five down and back sprints and then right. you have a minute off and then another minute, but there's always groups going. So, right. um, these kids, I, I, we, we've, we've got them mentally tough that we used to put the weighted vests on. Oh, wow. And nice. they would run with those 50 pound vests. Well, they started having success doing that and right. they would just start, 
it became easy to them. It became just right. part of what we did as a culture. Right. So I, I would even ask the kids, what do you want to do for conditioning today? Hey, let's do this. All right, cool. You got it. Go, right. you know, give them awesome. some ownership and things. And, yeah. No, you know, great. I think that carries over even in the classroom. I think in the classroom, if we give students ownership of what they're learning, they're right. going to take it farther. If you give Absolutely. kids ownership in the program, that's going to build that culture and it's going to right. push that out and everything. So, um, right. and it, I don't know if you've ever noticed, I have a, I have a hard time culture wise with my program. I don't allow sweatbands. I don't allow headbands. Right. Nope, I don't, I'm right I don't there like all that stuff. Right. And I'm like, you don't need it. I said, I want people to draw attention to you on how you play, not what you're wearing. Yeah. And I know absolutely. kids have these flashy shoes and all this kind of sure. stuff. And to me, I just, just play the game. Don't put the yeah. show, put the, let the show be you playing, yeah. you know? So yeah. maybe that's us just being a little bit old school. I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, right. We always, we're always afraid of the guy at the park that rolls in with the cutoff sweatpants, <laughs> the cutoff sweatshirts, the headband yep. and the Chuck Taylors. Like, Oh, yep. I'm not guarding that guy. Yep. Light me up. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, again, uh, that that's awesome. And, and let, let's kind of keep on this culture thing. Cause I know we, you and I have talked about culture in many forms and yeah. I know we, we've talked about Alan Stein, a uh, junior's book, raise your game. And, and he's got a great quote on culture and, and yeah. he says this, and I've kind of like condensed it a little bit, but it, it, this is basically what he says is a strong culture keeps an organization on track. A positive culture increases efficiency effectiveness and productivity productivity while a poor culture lowers morale increases attrition and undermines team cohesion all right now that's a lot to unpack but just reflecting back on the last four years going into your fifth year at portola you know kind of unpack that a little bit with, with how you've been able to, to, to build it, to build a successful culture. I mean, you, you won a league championship with a group of seniors that you've had since freshmen. And I think having a group of kids really for four years allows you to build that culture, but I'm sure there's been some negatives in there as well. So just kind of using your own four years at Portola, let's see if we can kind of break down this quote a little bit. You know, I think the, the hardest thing of starting a new school, a new program, obviously, is getting that foundation set in and knowing, I think, I think a lot of kids these days look at the immediate feedback, the immediate result versus seeing the big picture of things. Right. Um, you know, as freshmen, that group I had was 22 and one. They right. were just dominating people. We lost one game by three points that year. I remember specifically telling them, don't get used to this. I'm not right. saying don't get used to winning, but it's not right. going to be this easy going forward. I said, right. you're playing freshman teams right now, you know, and then as a JV team, uh, we ended up playing in a varsity tournament as with a bunch of sophomores playing in a varsity tournament. We won one game that year against not a very good team, but I told right. them, I was like, this is a small taste of what you're going to get into. And then their junior right. year was their first year of varsity. And I remember just how tough it was. And it was a roller coaster of emotions. And it was, right. you know, I think as a head coach, the, like we've talked about this, the, the highs get higher and the lows get lower type thing. And there was right. a bunch of low times. And I just remember one of the things I had to do was my wife had to keep me um, grounded. <laughs> and I think as right. any successful head coach, you have to have a, a supportive wife because she was like, Brian, you, they're developing this part of the process. Right. Like she had right. to remind me of that because I started right. looking at the, 
oh, we didn't, we didn't win this game or something. And so sure. you know, then into this year, we had some low points to the point where I even questioned myself in front of the team. I was right. like, do you even need me as a coach? I was like, you know, I said, I don't want to be a novelty to you guys. I said, you guys lose a game. It's no big deal. You go get in your cars, you drive home to your nice houses, and you're good to go. I said, me, I go home and stay up all night worrying about it. Right, watching you know, film, so looking at statues. Watching right? film, all that, you know, kicking my own self. And so right. when I had that conversation with my kids, I think it kind of opened their eyes that he's not right. coming down on us. He wants it. And so we right. want to want it as, he, as bad as he does. And I think in all my years of coaching, I've realized no, <laughs> no offense to any of my assistant coaches ever or no offense to any of my kids that played with me, but nobody ever wanted it as much as I do. No, like, I want to win. My assistants don't want to win as much as I do. And I have to realize that like, you know, nobody wants that. So I think, you know, the positive part is I had to remember that even in those low times, Mm -hmm. going back to what made it positive, because I think it's very easy sometimes as a coach to get wrapped up in the negative versus seeing the positive. Um, And so I think, you know, changing some things we did in practice, but not freaking out about it. Uh, you right. know, not com- not completely wiping everything away. Go back to what was working for us, and right. giving the kids a voice help create that positive culture, and uh, encouraging the kids to do things together off the court. You know, uh, we, right. we start we start having team dinners and stuff, and these kids would you know go go to each other's houses and watch game film and that kind of sure. stuff. So that you know, encouraging them just to go a different avenue, but understand that the goal is the same, and that's just part of the process. I think. You know, that's how you get that culture going. But I think the kids need to see a leader or a coach that walks the walk. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things I had to teach my assistants. And I had to look in the mirror a bunch of times myself, like, you know, <laughs> I got to right. stay positive. I keep talking to these kids about staying positive. I need to do the same. So. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, along with what, what Coach Stein is saying and, and what you just said there is that the consistency of the message and then coming back yeah. to yeah. the root core values that you've built your program upon or built your classroom upon or built your business upon. I think when you constantly come back to those and consistently reinforce it, you have buy-in. And I think it's really hard to get buy-in it, you know, unless you've had kids for as long as you did. I remember my first, my first year as a varsity coach, I ended the kids that I had that first year. um, I coached them as freshmen and then the kids that I had coming up after I had coached since the eighth grade. So there's, they knew what they were getting in me. I knew what I was getting in them. And you know, you have a, a far bigger trust, but you might know kids that are in your program, but you don't really know anything about them until you're yep. able to get your hands on them and, and, and stuff like that. Put them through the things that you need them to go through in order to understand what you're trying to achieve at the varsity level. But I think it's so important that, from a culture standpoint, and again, it, it doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's a sports team, if it's your classroom, if it's your campus, if it's a business, if the message isn't consistent about what we really stand for and the level yeah. of accountability is not there, whether it's for you, the one in charge, or those who are considered subordinates or players or students, then it's real easy for that culture to collapse. And yeah. You know, one of my former high schools, I'm not going to mention which one, you know, you, you certainly have seen that where yeah. the, the culture has really been, you know, 
uh, diluted in, in a way. And you have people really trying to champion the cause, but when it's not a consistent message, when people rather stay in their classroom than come yep. out and be part of campus life, um, you know, those 83ers, then yeah, it, it makes it very hard yeah. to get that buy-in. And, and I think you look at schools that are low socioeconomic that can have a huge, great culture because that staff yeah. and the parents that do contribute are, are, are in, and, and that can certainly lift everybody, everybody up to a level where they can have just a great culture. Kids want to attend that school because of the things that they're doing on campus. Well, and I think teachers and coaches uh, need to remember it's, it's that uh, purpose driven life book by Rick Warren. The first yeah. sentence of that, it's not about me. And that's yep. what, that's what I think <laughs> yep. teachers need to understand. Yeah. You know what? You're going to be teaching and you're, it's not about you. You've graduated high school. Your job is right. to educate them. It's not about how right. good you look uh, <laughs> right. from, as a coach. It's not about me. It's about preparing the next group of, you know, people that are going to be in, you know, civilians in our society. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I've, I've been fortunate to, to have some successful seasons, but I didn't do it by myself. That's right. all my coaching staff. That's, my, that's right. the coaching staff's wives. That's the players. It wasn't Brian Smith that did all this. You know what right. I mean? And so Absolutely. it's not about me. And I think that's, what, that's a key. And it goes back to what you're saying. It's the day-to-day -day conversations that you have with people. It's Absolutely. the day-to-day -day actions. If I sit there and preach one thing to my players or students, but then I act completely different, they see sure. that. They're not gonna, there's not trust there. Sure. You know, I think it's important that players from a coaching side see me outside of just a coach like right. they need to see me as a husband they need to see me as a father that's why on our last few summer trips and even when we went to palm streets i took my son with me i right. want my kids to see me as a dad you know what i mean right. and so Absolutely. the kids see that stuff and i think they're like hey this guy's for real and they're right. they're going to be more willing to play uh with that and you know, i think that's just there's just so many things that make coaching and teaching just such in my opinion, the greatest jobs ever, even though we don't get paid much to do it. It's still <laughs> very yeah, exactly. rewarding. So. Exactly. No, I, I can't agree more. And again, you know, you and I, and I'm sure when we talk next week about whatever's next, Everything. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely continue these conversations, man. Well, look, I, I can't thank you enough for, for being part of this. And I can't think of a better person to have these deep conversations with. And, and I know people will walk away with this, you know, again, my, my hope is that people see what teachers deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and, and see the reality and the level of, of passion that, that we have for a craft. And I don't, I mean, you, you bring it every day and, and I, and I appreciate you for it, man. It's, it's great. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate that you're doing this podcast because I, I've never really been much into podcasts until right. recently. And the fact right. that you know, you're wanting your voice to be heard and you're wanting your experiences and people that you, you know, had impacted you and, and just to get out there. I think that's such a strong, uh, just says a lot about you and everything. No, I and I obviously that. appreciate your friendship and professionalism and yeah, this is a good thing. So awesome. keep doing the good work, man. Um, yeah. You know, keep putting, uh, as coach Fleming over Laguna beach always says, you got to put hay in the barn, you know, so we're going to, got to put hay in the barn. So, well, that, that nice. wraps it up for episode eight. Again, I can't thank uh, coach Brian Smith enough of, again, uh, I'm going to include the YouTube video. You got to see them. Even though it's like a four minute video, it gives you a, a really good snapshot of how he has gone about building a, a very good culture at, at Portola high school. And, and, you know, God be willing, we'll have some sports here 
um, more than likely in the winter. Uh, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know Coach is going to continue to mentor these young men into, uh, you know, good positive role models on campus. So, uh, again, Coach, thanks again. And for our listeners out there, keep on learning. <laughs> <laughs>